Tonight, I want to continue on our series of the power of your identification in Christ. But the Lord was just speaking to me last night and then all day today about some things he wanted to deposit in you. Satan is going to try to get you to see yourself through the lens of what we call temporal truth, or you could say it this way, through the lens of your behavior. So based on your behavior, you get your identity. And that is not the way it's supposed to be. The game is he's always trying to get you that way. The word of God will try to, it'll always lead you to see yourself according to what we call positional truth. Or in other words, this unseen truth of who you are, who God has made you. You know, we are in him. And if you've not listened to any of these other messages, I would, include, I would encourage you, go back and outline the last five messages. We're kind of in a transition period, so I wanted to really take tonight, uh, feel that the Lord really wants us to take tonight and talk about the operation of walking by the faith of God because your identity, literally knowing who you are in Christ, will empower you and enable you to walk by faith. So many people in our stream, they're frustrated because they're not laying hold of anything and they don't understand why, but the reality of it is most people are not moving from mental ascent into faith because they're looking too much at their circumstances and their eyes are not fixed on Jesus. So turn in your Bibles to Hebrews. We're going to launch off here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hallelujah. Why do we walk by faith? To me, this is my reason. My number one reason why I walk by faith. And the reason why this is my number one reason is because I was dead in trespasses and sins. I was in a hopeless situation, lost forever and could do nothing about it. And then Jesus, in his great love for me, came and took my place and redeemed me and gave me his life. He literally caused me to be created in Christ. My heavenly father caused me to be created in Christ. I'm now a new creature And everything about my walk with him causes me to want to please him. And it says here in Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Wow, that's amazing. That is a mouthful. That means if you're doing anything apart from faith in him, It doesn't please him. Well, when you really understand who God is, you understand why it pleases him when you're in faith. This is why. Because he's able to get over to you everything he's already provided to you. Everything about God is this. He is love, which means he does not consider himself He only considers you. And he sent his son who paid the price 
He paid it all so that he could give you everything that pertains to life and godliness, so that he can bless you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And those spiritual blessings will cause you to manifest Jesus in the earth in your lifestyle. He wants you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death down here. He wants you to walk through this season. He wants you to walk free from sickness, disease, and pain. If the enemy attacks your body, he wants you to walk in divine health. In, he wants you to experience divine healing. He wants you to experience outwardly in your life what it means for the blessing of Abraham to be upon you. He, is, he has removed everything out of your life that could bring poverty and lack into your life. And, and now he wants you to walk in this victory. So this is why, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, now it explains some things. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. What does that mean? He must believe that he is who he says he is. He must believe that. And he must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And, and that statement right there, that is the reason why many are not laying hold of what God's provided for them because they're not diligently seeking him. What do I mean by that? What is diligence? Diligence is doing what you should do when you don't feel like it. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Right? This is huge. Actually, in Romans 14, in verse 23, at the last half of this verse, it says here, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Wow. So that means that I could pastor Faith Family Church and do some things as a pastor, but if I'm not doing them in faith, it's actually sin. And what is the wages of sin? Death. See, we think of sin as just, well, you know, violating the word of God, not walking in love, stealing, gossip, lying, all this stuff. But God is, is, is making it a little, he's bringing it in a little clearer. Everything that is not of faith is sin. Wow. And there's commands in the word of God. It says here, in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, he said, the just shall live by faith. So I want to encourage you, if you want to really live a life that's pleasing to the God who saved you, to the God who's redeemed you. Look at your life and, and just literally ask the Holy Spirit to help you to, to show you areas of your life that you're not walking by the faith of God. According to, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says he's a rewarder to him who diligently seeks him. Before that, it says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is basically who he says he is. 
So in other words, when I walk by faith, I am to believe God that he is who he says he is. If he says he always causes me to triumph, then I don't have anything to worry about. In everything that I face, I know I have the victory. I know he'll cause me to triumph and he's given me victory. It says in the word of God, whoever the son has made free, hath made free, that happened before you were born, is now free. So it doesn't matter how you feel, you're actually free. Satan does not want you to know that. He wants you to look at the circumstances of your life to determine whether you're free or not, and the circumstances of your life have absolutely nothing to do with it. Because you could take the word of God and change every circumstance in your life. Satan, according to the word of God, has been stripped of all his power. So therefore, these things that feel and seem so real, it's like a paper kingdom. They have no power behind them. Everything coming against the child of God right now, everything that we're facing in this world is of no issue compared to who we are in Christ. Could it be that simple? Absolutely. That changes your attitude. It changes everything. Man, I'm telling you, God is faithful. God is faithful. So it says in James chapter 1, In James chapter 1, verse 5, another aspect of this faith, the operation of faith, he says this, if any of you you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. That means God doesn't give you just what you ask him for. Right? I remember when I was sitting in our conference room and we were meeting uh, with the, the president of, of the bank that we are, have financed with the church. And, you know, he was over here, and we were sitting in that room, and we were, he was talking to us about, you know, buying this building and all this other stuff. And he said, so you're about $75,000 short. But he goes, no problem. He goes, your financials are impeccable. You know, he goes, we, we do business with a lot of churches, but we've not seen financials this detailed. And he goes, I could tell you off the record, we definitely want to do business with you. But he goes, you need about $75,000 more, but he goes, no problem, just go to key people in your church and ask them to sign on the dotted line giving personal guarantees for the $75,000, and that'll be good enough. And so I go, oh, oh my gosh, we will never do that. And he goes, no, 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 that's what every church does. And I'm like, well, we will never do that. And he goes, well, can I ask why? I said, absolutely. Because faith puts no pressure on anybody. God does not have to take from one to give to another. And I told him this, I said, if you're telling me we need $75,000, I could tell you there's one truth about this. That if we go to God and we, we, we ask him to provide $75,000 for this church, it is impossible for only $75,000 to come in. It'll be more, because he gives to all men liberally. Right? When the Bible says be strong in the Lord, listen, he doesn't give you enough strength just to get by for you. He gives you so much strength 
that you get strengthened and then you, as you're going around, you have enough strength to help other people be strong. He doesn't just give you just enough peace to handle your situation. No, you have more than enough peace, right? For you and then also you're literally being used to minister peace to others. He gives to all men liberally and he upbraids not. That's a real weird statement in King James English, but it means he doesn't get down on you for the mess you've created. Now, there might be somebody here who's never created a mess, but I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because you're probably going to be lying. Because, I mean, we've, we've all made messes, right? And what happens when you make a mess? Oh, you just kind of get down on yourself. And if you're not careful... You'll start withdrawing. If your identity is coming from your behavior, you'll start withdrawing from him. Oh man, I messed up again. No, 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 no. When you know God, when you know how much he loves you, you'll run to him. Father, I messed this thing up here. He doesn't ever get down on you for the mess. Isn't that good? But it says here, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And then at the end of the verse it says, and it shall be given to him. It doesn't say it might be. It says it shall be. If you ask anything according to his will, the Bible says he hears you. And if you know he hears you, you know you already have the petition you've asked him for. All the promises of God, the word of God says, are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, amen. The Bible says God is good to all. The Bible says he never changes. Everything about the word of God is is strengthening and supporting you so that you will walk by the faith of God. And actually, man, I'm telling you, when you hear the voice of God, faith comes by hearing, right? Romans 10, 17. When you hear the word of God, it causes you to act because his word is an enablement. Why did Peter, when Jesus is walking across the the sea and, and, and Peter says to him, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus, all he said was come. But in that one word, there was enough enablement that the next thing you know, Peter is climbing out of a boat, fully persuaded He's walking on liquid water right up until he starts looking at natural circumstances and gets his eyes off Jesus. But notice, the minute he begins to sink, the minute he cries out to the Lord, the Lord did not upbraid him. The Lord didn't go, Peter, what the heck? What's going on? You know, as he's going under, why why wouldn't you listen to me? right? Could you imagine that, right? No, no. He just reached down and grabbed them, and they walked on liquid water back to the boat, right? And he said, why did you doubt? Boy, I'm telling you, if you get a revelation of how much God loves you, you will never doubt him. You'll never doubt him. We're able to receive we're able to possess the things God has already given us 
when we are in faith. We lay hold of what God's given us by his grace. We lay hold of it through faith. That's how we lay hold of these things. It says here, but look at this. The next verse is big. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith. If you need wisdom, if you need anything, but let him ask in faith. Now, he already said he'll give it to you. Nothing wavering. In other words, faith never wavers. Ever. If you're wavering, guess what? You're not in faith. Right? Let that excite you. Because you know how many believers who think, well, my faith's just not working. And Satan will sit on your shoulder and go, yeah, you just, maybe you just need a little more faith. What does that mean? What, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and it, and it shall be done. But, but no, Tony, you just need more faith. Well, okay. What does that mean? You know, Jesus, when he looked at the centurion, think about the centurion who was asking Jesus to come to his house and heal his servant. After that whole thing, the centurion's like, listen, you don't have to come to my house. You just speak the word and my servant will be healed. He didn't, he didn't say, man, that's awesome. I have not seen so much faith. No, not even in Israel. No, he said, I haven't seen such great faith. See, Satan, what does more mean? When a person says that, a person in their mind is going, I need to do something to get more faith. I, 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 I. When it's really all about him. Right? We've made some of this stuff just too hard. It says, for let, it says here, for he that wavers, it's the Greek word diakrino. It means to oppose or to differ with or to contend with. It means to stagger. It means that you're trying to stand in two places or be of two minds. What does that mean? Oh, you, have you ever done that? You have this time with the Lord and you believe that you receive your healing. And then you go to the doctor and that sickness or that disease has progressed in the wrong way. And what do you, you know, you're like, ooh, well, hmm, maybe... Maybe I'm not healed. And then all of a sudden, if you're in the wrong environment, man, people will come out of the woodwork. Well, how are you feeling? How, how's this? How's that? And then right at the pinnacle of that will be someone who will go, well, you know God's sovereign. And, and sometimes he says yes. And sometimes he says no. Oh, and here's a big one. And sometimes he just says, Wait. But what you never hear with those statements is it's written here. Sometimes God says yes, and so 
because it's not written. That's not written here. Does it say that we're to wait on the Lord? Yeah. But you got to look at the Hebrew word. It's not wait like, man, I wonder. You know, I I just, I wonder if I'm going to get the raise. I wonder if I'm going to win the lottery. You know, which means maybe I will, maybe I won't. No, no, that, that Hebrew words means wait with expectancy. Like, it's not if. You, you already know, you know it's coming. You're just waiting and you're getting excited because as each second ticks, you're getting closer to seeing it. Because you already know he said he would provide it. Right? The Bible doesn't say sometimes God says yes and sometimes God says no. The Bible says all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, so be it unto you. Well, what if, does he ever say no? Yeah, uh, nah, he doesn't. If you ask something that's not according to his word, he doesn't tell you no. He doesn't even hear that prayer. Right? So, so we got to get these things right because God is faithful. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Okay, now I understand what waver is. I've been in the ocean. And man, I'm telling you, you know, the, oh, the, the waves can be pretty intense. But if that water is underneath your waist, you're all right. But if, if, the, if, the, if there's a riptide and the waves are kind of big, you know, when a wave comes... Even if it's just coming in, it breaks, and then all that water goes through you. If it's underneath your waist, no problem. You just kind of brace yourself a little bit, and then the water coming back out, you could just, you're not really moved at all. But if you get to where it's above your waist, now the force of that water will will lift you off the ground, and all of a sudden, something outside of you is starting to move you. That's what wavering is. As soon as, see, and what determines if you waver or not? Not what Satan does, because he's defeated. It's your decision. What? Oh yeah, every time you ever waver, every time I've ever wavered, it was my decision to waver. Every time. Because he can't make me waver. Because see, what waver means is I got my eyes off Jesus and I got my eyes on something on the outside and that's what caused me to waver. If you never get your eyes on the outside circumstances of your life, they can never make you waver. Well, what do you do though? Come on, pastor, you know, we're not pastors. We don't live in a little bubble that's wonderful like you do. We live in the real world, right? You know, I mean, come on. These circumstances are real, absolutely. But you still decide. But these circumstances, all the facts that could ever come against you that will tell you you're going to die, you're going to suffer lack, you're going to get hurt, all this stuff, all of it, can be changed by truth because the word of God it is above all it this is this is forever settled in heaven 
That means it, it, that, that word settled means it forever is established and it will forever stand. Nothing can stand against the word of God. Oh, people could say it's irrelevant. Seminaries could say, yeah, this part of the Bible's irrelevant. This part we need to take out. They can do that all day long, but God says my word will stand forever. Right? Anybody could say, governments can say that the word of God is, uh, and, the, and the church, it's not essential, but I'm sorry, that doesn't make that true. The word forever stands. So it says here, for let not that man, that man who's wavering, think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. See, it doesn't say, don't, the man who wavers, don't let that man think that God will ever give him something. It says no. It says don't let that man think that he'll ever receive anything. Because see, God's always giving. He's, he's already given you everything. Isn't, I mean, that's, we've got to get that right. What am I talking about? The power of your identification with Christ. All of this is possible because of who you are in Christ. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, a double-minded man. This is the Greek word that means a man of vacillating opinions. That means you don't really know what you believe. If I get up here and I'm preaching, and I say, well, in my opinion, you, you need to just, just, that's not what you write in your notes. Because my opinion means nothing. But if I get up here and say the word of God says this, boy, you could take that to the bank. Right? A double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. So this is why we're teaching on this tonight. Because you have to solidify what you believe. You have to come to a place where you just go, listen, for me, this was my big faith statement. Lord, sink or swim, live or die. That's not a lot of faith, but that's right where I was. I will, I will believe your word, and I'm never going to move from that. I made that decision. That's, that's it. If you said it, that's it. Now, have I ever vacillated? Every time I've ever started vacillating, that will pull me back. Why? Because his word's first place in my life. My own spirit's going, wait a minute, what are you doing? Right? God helps us. Now, here's another thing. Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 16, says this, talking about the armor of God. It says, above all. In the Greek, you could translate that, in front of all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. Well, now wait a minute. The shield of faith. So what is faith? I believe God's word in my heart and I speak it out of my mouth. The shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. 
Well, what are the fiery darts? Well, listen, how does Satan come against every one of us? The wiles of the devil. That word wiles means he travels down one road, one way. Satan comes against every one of us the same exact way. And his name reveals what he does. It's Diabolos is his name. That's the devil. Dia. He tries to penetrate through to the other side of something. Well, we know what that is. He's trying to penetrate your mind. How does he do that? By abolos. He throws something blow after blow after blow. What is that? He throws thoughts. He's throwing thoughts. He'll use people. Somebody will say something to you, and then there a thought will come and hit your mind. You'll see a circumstance, and a thought will hit your mind. Have you ever noticed when you get in a battle, those thoughts can come like machine guns? What's he trying to do? Penetrate through the other side. But the Bible says, in Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They're not of human origin, but they are mighty through God to the utter destruction of strongholds. What is this? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against what? The word of God. In other words, when a thought comes, you can take every thought captive with the shield of faith because a thought comes. Man, you know, you get a report or you get up and that pain hits your back like it's never hit before. And a thought hits your mind this is not good. This is getting worse. What, how do you quench that? There's only one way to quench it. No. It is written. It's the same way Jesus quenched it. It is written. Christ hath redeemed me from the curse of sickness and disease. It's written in Matthew eight seventeen that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. So Father, I thank you that I'm healed. Now back, you have to come in line. Pain, you have to leave in Jesus' name. And my shield of faith just quenched that fiery dart. And the Bible says the shield of faith will quench every one of them. So in other words, man, as you know who you are, who are you in Christ? You are his, you are God's child. You, have, you are a co-heir with Christ. You have the greater one living on the inside of you, and now you have the word of God in your mouth so that now as you walk through life, you could take care of every battle against your mind that will ever come. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. What is faith? This is a, one of the great definitions of faith in the word of God. It says in, King, in the King James Version, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And every one of us went, wow, that's so good. What in the world does that mean? Right? So let's break this down a little bit. Now faith is. Faith is always now. 
One of the things that Satan will try to get you into, he'll try to put what you're believing God for in time. Well, you know you've been diagnosed with this or this is your situation, so it's just going to take this, it's going to take longer. But no, 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 faith is always now. It gives substance of the things that you're hoping for. Hope is not now. Hope is always future. And hope, the Bible word for hope, is a confident, joyous expectation. That means you are expecting something because God says it. Faith will give substance to the thing that you're expecting. Faith will give substance to the thing that you're expecting. Jesus told me that he died for me on a cross and he paid the price. He was made sin with my sin so that I could be made his righteousness. He died in my place. I've never met Jesus face to face. Now I can't say this now. I've been to Israel, but, but when I accepted Christ, I was four and a half years old. I couldn't even spell Israel, right? I didn't even know that any place outside of Chicago even existed. I'm just this little kid in Chicago. But yet, what happened that day, the Bible said that if I'll simply believe in my heart that God rose him from the dead and I would speak with my mouth, Jesus you are my Lord, I give you my life, that I would be saved. So that was what I expected. And Ephesians chapter 2 says, for by grace are you saved, how? Through faith. And that's how you'll receive everything else. You know you started out with the greatest miracle. God did the greatest work in your life first. Way before you sat and knew all this stuff about faith. Isn't that amazing? You guys doing okay tonight? I know you're probably a little tired. You know, I'm not the Hispanic Brother Hagen. Right. Tim was teasing me, well, maybe you're the Sicilian Brother Hagen. I'm like, well, I'm only half Sicilian, so I don't know. When you get to know who you are in Christ, you get real excited about this. I'm Tony. And I, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. Because, because this thing, this I know, next month, I'll know more of who I am in him. So now faith is the substance or it gives substance to the thing that I'm expecting. It is the evidence That word evidence in the Greek means proof of things not seen. See, you might not see your healing. You might not be able to see your provision. But your faith gives substance to it. So literally, this would read, now faith is the confidence of things expected. It is actually the proof that I have what I can't right now perceive with my senses. 
Notice it's the evidence, the proof that I actually have what I can't see. And the just will live by faith. See, you know, we learned years ago from that, what was, what was the, the, it was, oh, the Santa Claus, I think the original movie, right? We learned from the little 700-year-old little elf in that movie, right? He, he's standing there going, okay, a polar bear is directing traffic. I'm seeing this, but I just don't believe it. And the little girl goes, she kind of laughs and goes, oh, you know, seeing's not believing, And then she said this, but believing is seeing. And that's exactly right. When you believe something that God said, you'll see it. You'll see it. The New Living Translation says it this way, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. See, when you believe that you receive your healing, guess what? You have it. The Bible says if you believe you receive, you will have it. So it's done. Nothing can stop it. And faith is the proof. Well, what's the proof that you're healed? Well, gosh, how long do you have? Uh, Isaiah 53 Verses four through six, right? Psalm 107, 20. Psalm 103, verses one through six. Galatians 3, 13, 14, right? First Peter 2, 24, by his stripes I was healed. I mean, we could go on and on and on. So am I gonna believe the MRI or am I gonna believe the blood test Or am I going to believe the report of the Lord? The Bible says, if I will believe the report of the Lord, Isaiah 53, 1, then I will see the manifest power of God. Change my situation. Now, faith is the confidence that we have what we hope for, or that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. The New American Standard Bible says it this way. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. I love that. The New English Translation says, Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and being convinced of what we do not see. And I love the Amplified Version. It says it this way. Now, faith is the assurance... And then it gives you the parathetical definition, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as a real fact what is not revealed by the senses. So the title deed, would you, if you had the title deed to your home, if you had that title, would you even begin to doubt that you didn't own your house? You wouldn't even begin to doubt. Would you even begin to doubt if you had the title deed to your automobile, would you even begin to doubt that that in some way wasn't yours? No, 
Well, I got to tell you, this is a lot more than that piece of paper that says you own a car or own a house. Because God, God says, I am, I'm back in this one. He watches over his word to perform it in your life. This is how you walk out your identity. So faith is always present tense, and faith is eternal. And here's a big thing. Faith has nothing to do with feelings or emotions. Now that doesn't seem like a very large statement, but that is a huge statement. Because people will think, they will determine if they're in faith or if they're not in faith by what they feel. Right? Or how uh, their, their feelings and emotions will drive them. But faith, you can't, faith is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. You know, I always use the analogy like this. If I were to go down to buy perfume for my wife at the Westroads Mall, if I were to go to Von Mar, and I were to walk up to this young lady that's at the counter and say, hey, I want to buy some perfume for my wife. And she's like, oh, you know, Chanel number five is really nice. I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me, let me just uh, see that. And she goes, yeah, let me put some on a test strip for you. And she puts it on the, you know how they ever, they hand you the little test strip, right? What do you think that lady would think of me if I held it up to my ear? And I'd be like, I, I don't know. Can I, can I try another one? Because I, I don't know. She'd be like, oh, well, oh, sir? She might hit a button. Hey, uh, can somebody help me? I've got one of those, right? Because you can't, you can't perceive perfume with your ear. In the same way, you can't perceive whether you're in faith or not by your emotions and your feelings. Because you could have some crazy stuff going on in your mind, right? And, 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 and all this stuff, and Satan's like, see, you're not in faith, but when you have faith in your heart. And if you buy his lie, this is what you'll do. But if you don't buy his lie, this is what you'll do. No, no, it is written. You'll talk, right? You'll talk. No, it is written. Jesus himself bore my sickness, carried my pain. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what everybody else says. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. By the stripes of Jesus, I may not look healed, but I am healed. And you just hide and watch. And some of your family and some of your friends might think you're crazy. This is how come, if you're believing God for something, you don't need to tell your family. Right? Go tell your family. You'll be getting phone calls. They'll be, they'll be wanting to come over. Hey, listen, the, my cousin's a freak. She's saying Jesus healed her. You don't even need to deal with that. Right? But there's going to come a point where you'll have to come public. Don't be afraid of that. Be led by the Spirit. But I'm telling you, this is what happens. People will be like, oh man, that's, Tony's one of those. Jesus freak, you know. Yeah, but guess what happens when the Jesus freak is walking in it? And they see you healed. Or they see that thing provided. They see you victorious. They'll be coming to you. Hey, 
I'm going through this. Do you think you could maybe pray for me? The same person that was just dissing you all over the place will be coming to you, right? So faith never ignores or denies circumstances, ever. I don't, we're not Christian scientists. If there's sickness in your body, faith never denies that there's sickness or disease in your body, but faith will deny its right to remain there. Faith never denies that there's lack. It denies lack's right to remain. Right? So faith changes circumstances. Always remember that. And faith always deals with things that are not seen and things that are not yet. Okay? Always. If you can see it, it's not faith. If, if you can see it, you already have it. Right? I love this. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. By whom, or by Christ, you could say, also... We have access into this grace. By whom also we have access. Let me say this right. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Faith gives you access into grace. What is grace? It's the finished work of Christ. It's healing, it's provision, it's peace, it's strength. It's everything Jesus gave you. You have access into it by faith. So important that you know that. So Galatians chapter 5 in verse 6, and this is how it will, this will tie you, this is tied to your identity. Why do people not walk by faith? Because they don't know who they are. Galatians 5, 6 says this. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. But what does avail? Faith, which works by love. So if you're driving a faith mobile, you better make sure that your gas tank, your love meter is on full because faith works by love. God continually extends and, ex- and expresses his unconditional love for us, and this becomes the foundation of our faith and the basis upon which you believe his promises. Everything is based, God, all he is doing, he's expressing his love. I love you. I love you, I love you. And that becomes the basis. So faith working by love, yes, it's true. If you don't walk in love, your faith is not going to operate. But why doesn't a person walk in love? It's because they don't have a revelation that he loves them. So it all flows from that. Failure to walk in love towards others causes your faith to be unproductive but never forget first john chapter 4 in verse 19 this is this this i remember boy this was decades ago first john four nineteen. we love him 
because he first loved us. My ability to love him comes from the fact that I have a revelation that he loves me. A revelation of the love of God is vital to our faith. How does God know if you love him? If you do what his word says. You you can't fake that. Right? So why don't people do what his word says? See, this this is how a lot of Christians love God. It's conditional. You know, they hear a scripture and they're like, ooh, yeah, I, I like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do that one. And then they're like coming over here, ooh, yeah, nah, not gonna do that one, right? We pick and choose and we wonder why we're not able to lay hold of anything. I'm here to tell you tonight, you need to be like my little grandson, Micah. Man, I'm telling you, if he was up on this ladder right now, and I just said, come here, Micah, he would literally dive off this thing. Would not even, wouldn't even think he puts all of his trust. I mean, it's amazing. You know, now, it's kind of funny in our bedroom, we have this, like, headboard, and it's got, it's got a little flat surface on top of it, and, you know, I think you did it today, right? So... So Jeanette walked. He's not supposed to be up there. And of course, he's up there. And so Jeanette goes, Micah, you have to get down from there. No problem. He squats and he dives. Does a full-blown belly flop right on her bed. He loves doing that, right? But he completely trusts. He completely trusts me. Do you know why he completely trusts me? Because he knows I love him. He knows I will catch him every time. Right? He, know, he just knows that. He knows that if Papa is telling him to jump or to come, I can come or he can come and there's no chance it's going to hurt him. And that's what God wants you to know tonight. You are his child. Every word in this Bible, every promise, he has already given it to you. And he will personally see that he brings it to pass. I'm telling you, there's going to be an awakening. It's already starting, an awakening to righteousness. And, one, and here's, the, here's the thing. When you awaken to righteousness and you know, you know that he loves you. It changes everything. It's not a question of doing what his word says. You'll do it. Because you know it'll never hurt you. Any unconditional love that you have in your heart for God, for yourself, or for others, any of it, it comes from him. My ability to love people unconditionally My ability to love myself and not beat myself up. My ability to love God. Every bit of it comes from him. 
So take the pressure. So many people are just all behavior. You know, I just, I need God to move in my life. So, you know, pastor said, I got to love God. So gosh, I just got to try real hard. No, 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 that's not how it comes because you can't just develop the love of God out of your own behavior. It all comes from gaining a revelation knowledge of him. We simply respond to his love. We enjoy his love, and that enables us to express his love to others. So let me say that again. First of all, we respond to his love. I'm reading the word of God, and I read scriptures about his love for me. And all of a sudden, I start meditating in that, and that goes off in my heart. And I gain a revelation knowledge that, wow, he, I mean, it's coming on me right now. And all of a sudden, that what, what do I do then? I just start enjoying his love. And then I'm able to, as I walk through my life, express that to everybody. Not just to those who are nice to me, but to everybody. Everybody. It's how it works. Failure to walk in love towards others causes our faith to be unproductive. Why? Because we're trying to do this stuff in our own strength. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 16 through verse 20, and then we'll close. I haven't got to preach for a long time, so you'll just, you'll just have to... My wife would tell you, no, you never stop preaching, right? Ephesians three sixteen. Look at this. It says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. This prayer that we're talking about right now is literally a sermon on how to walk in the fullness of God. In four verses, it's a sermon. The first thing mentioned is the Lord strengthening us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Many believers fall short in their walk with the Lord because they're trying to live for God. Have you heard me ever say this? Instead of allowing God to live through them. The key to victory as a believer is learning how to completely depend on the Holy Spirit for strength. All power for the believer originates from the Holy Spirit. All power. So let's look at this again, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted, this Greek word means securely settled, and grounded, this means deeply founded, in love. God wants you. He sets you to where you're securely settled and deeply founded in the very love of God. What keeps me? What keeps you? It, it's the love of God. God desires that the soil of your heart has his character of love. That's what he desires for you. So that all that you say and all that you do reflects him. 
Paul is speaking of an intimate understanding, experiential knowledge of the depths of God's love. That's what we're rooted and grounded in. Just like a tree's roots provide stability and nourishment for the tree, so also our revelation of God's love is the foundation upon which everything else that we receive from God, it's, it's, it's what it's built on. Everything is built on love. That's why faith works by love. So now let's read this again. Verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, what? May be able to comprehend with all the saints. Notice, it doesn't say comprehend alone. It says you're going to comprehend this stuff with all the saints. Why? Because when you have a revelation of the love of God, you will walk that out by being in a community of believers where you love one another. But that you may be able to comprehend. This Greek word, comprehend, means to lay hold of and make it your own. With all the saints... In other words, how I comprehend how I comprehend God's love for me is when I love the saints. How I comprehend God's love for me is when I love the saints. How I comprehend God's love for me I comprehend it as I love my brothers and sisters. That's why Satan tries to get you away from anything, tries to separate you from that. Because he's trying to separate you from a revelation that God loves you, because if he does, you will literally try to do all this stuff in your own strength and you'll never be able to lay hold of everything, anything. You comprehend with all saints, look at this, what is the breadth, length, depth, and height God's love is not one-dimensional. Oh, you may need one dimension, but as you're receiving a revelation of God's love, realize that what you might be seeing is only a part of this multi-dimensional love of God. And as you keep peering into it, it will keep expanding. Verse 19, And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Listen, when you're out and you're telling people that don't know Jesus that you love God, they look at you like, what? What do you mean you love God? That'll be foolishness. Why? Well, the love of Christ, it passes knowledge. It's beyond knowledge. What's so powerful about this is you can go to somebody who thinks you're a fool for being a Christian, who will tell you, I am an atheist. I have stood and talked to an atheist with multiple PhDs, teaching in a New Age university. And man, I'm telling you, he would laugh at me. And I'd tell him about God's love for him. And then in one moment of time, he went from atheist to believer. 
like that. Because see, he had no mental knowledge. He, he couldn't, because see what they do in the New Age movement, they go under gold domes twice a day and they get in there and they say quietly in their mind, they don't talk, they say it quietly in their mind, this little mantra. It's usually the name of a Hindu demon, Hindu God, whatever. But then all of a sudden, when you start to go out and tell people, tell people that Jesus loves you, they might laugh at you for a while, but when they leave and they're laughing at you, guess what? You're going to leave and move on, and that's just going to keep going off in them. Jesus will just start saying, I love you, and he'll start building things to reveal something that's beyond knowledge. The love of God is beyond knowledge. So don't worry if people laugh at you. You could just kind of laugh on the inside. Usually the people that laugh the hardest are under the most conviction, right? Because God just is working on them. It says here, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. Then it finishes with verse 20. Well, let me say this about verse 19. The end result of having knowledge and understanding of God's love is that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. And you're to live there. Because there, we've been talking now for six weeks, there is where your identity is completely in Christ. When you're filled with all the fullness of God. It's a full revelation that he loves you. So of course you'll walk in the love of God. Of course you'll walk by the faith of God. But you won't do it mechanically. You'll do it as a byproduct. And then you start to read verse 20. Look at this. The person, this is, you get a revelation now all of a sudden. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. In other words, if you look at the context of what we've just talked about, God, God's ability to do above anything that you can ask him or think, it, it, the, the measuring stick is how much of a revelation do you have to how much he loves you? It all is according to that power, the power of the revelation in your heart that God loves me. God's love for you never wanes. Tonight, as I'm sitting here looking at people, tonight as people are watching online, there are real needs, there's real circumstances that needs to change in your life. And I could tell you one thing, God wants them to change. He wants them to change even so much more than you do. He is so ready, but he can't violate your will. So how do you expand? How do you grow in your faith walk? How do you go to great faith? How do you lay hold of things? You must know that God loves you. He just loves you. He did everything for you. The whole Bible is God's love letter to man, showing man that he's just pursuing him. Have you noticed that in your life? 
he'll never stop pursuing you. No matter how many times you turn your back on him, he loves you too much. He'll just keep coming, keep wooing. God is good all the time, amen?